just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, the podcast is going international with Quinn Beasley joining me from Vancouver, Canada. When both Quinn and I were performing street shows in Australia for the Adelaide Fringe Festival, Quinn had an accident in the middle of his show. He was immediately rushed to hospital and it was eventually discovered that he had a fractured skull with brain bleeding. In this episode, Quinn talks us through the accident, the aftermath including the countless discharges and readmissions, what it's like being in hospital in a foreign country, the long-lasting effects of a brain injury, and what he's taken away from this experience. I remember thinking this immediately after his accident, and I certainly do after his interview as well. Our brains are amazing, and it is so important that we look after them. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Circus performer, stand-up comedian now, street performer, what else? Actor, I see, is maybe a new thing. Dipping my toes into that a little bit. Yeah. And a podcaster. Yes. Those are all code words for unemployed. Yeah. (laughs) I was trying to think when I was planning this interview when and where we actually met. And I've realized that it would have been when we were both working at Darling Harbour in Sydney a few years ago. I just thought that maybe you could give us a brief rundown of what you do in your street show because the street show has such a pivotal part to play in the injury that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I did a a 45-minute street show that consisted of comedy and danger juggling, so I would juggle fire and knives and then at the very end of the show, like the last 20 minutes, I would like get up on a 10-foot unicycle and juggle fire, a knife and an apple. Um, and then climb down and uh, collect donations from the audience. And uh, yeah, did that all over the world for the last five years. Yeah, five years. And so we were both in Adelaide, Australia, mm-hmm. performing at the Adelaide Fringe Festival back in 2018. Did this happen? 2019? No. It's because 2020 feels like 50 years. So. 2019. <laughs> it was the beginning of 2019. 2019. Mm. So the festival runs from February to March. And it was like the last week of the festival when you're doing your show during the day at Rundle Mall on the street and something happened. What happened? <laughs> I uh, I lost a chain on my unicycle, and I fell uh, from ten feet up in the middle of a show. Uh, landed on my feet first, but like kind of leaning back, and then hit. Then landed on my butt, and then hit my head on the concrete, and knocked myself 
clean out in front of like 300 people. And <laughs> it like it's not funny, but it is a little bit funny because <laughs> I know that there's a line in your show where it's like clap if you think cheer if you think I can do this. Cheer if you think I can't do this. Did when you were falling off the unicycle, did you see your life flash before your eyes? What were you thinking? Yeah, so I mean it all it was all my fault. Like I was riding with one chain. So what had happened was I normally have two chains. And then the show before, one of the chains came off in the show. Right. But I was able to like I just had three of my volunteers come in, grab the unicycle, take the chain off, and then I just finished the show with one chain and it was fine. And then the next show I forgot to put the second chain back on. And I had already, by the time I realized, I had already built my audience. And you know, Rundle Mall is like one of the toughest spots in the entire world. It's like, like if you have like even a second uh, that's like not calculated and perfect, they leave, right? So I was like, uh, you know what? I'll just finish the show with one chain. It was fine the last show. And then it didn't end up being fine. Uh, so like, yeah, I was riding. And then I remember hearing like a click. And I remember just thinking, oh no. And then the next thing, I was, uh, I woke up, I came to in the ambulance. I don't actually remember anything. I remember a little bit uh, when I was on the ground, but not a lot. Like I was knocked clean out. I was scrolling back through Facebook and there was a funny moment when you actually caught up with one of the paramedics that was in the ambulance with you. Can you remember what he said to you? Yeah, apparently I started yelling at God. Uh, <laughs> it's from my very religious upbringing, which I've suppressed. Uh, but yeah, apparently I thought I was dying and I was like, F you, God, you're not taking me yet. The paramedics like, oh, chill out, bro, you're not going to die. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're chill, <okay>. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what happens once you go to hospital? Uh, I went to hospital and like originally they didn't actually know how bad it was. Like they were like, oh, this is probably just like a, a very serious concussion. We're going to like give you some meds. We're going to like watch over you for a little bit and then we're gonna like send you send you home yeah um that was the first little bit and then but they also were like you shouldn't be alone just in case so i like yeah i went back to my hotel that evening and i can't remember i think it was miranda who stayed over and watched me yeah and then i like had like crazy migraines like i was feeling sick i was feeling awful and then i had to go back in and that's when they did scans and they're like oh wait you fractured your skull and you have a brain bleed and you'll probably be here for the next like three weeks isn't that just wild that they didn't do scans straight away when you got there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it was a bit it was a bit crazy like i i thought i was fine like i, I thought i was gonna be doing street shows the next day like oh just a little bump on the head uh, yeah, I'll be all right. And then it was like, became very apparent to me, like, oh no, there's something like very wrong with me. And so you get admitted back into hospital and they do these scans. Can you remember what scans they did? No, this whole, this whole portion is like a blur. Yeah. I really, I think they did a bunch of x-rays around my head and like, like I was pretty out of it. Also, they had me on like Oxycontin for the pain. So I was like, kind of like zoinked out for like a lot of this part too. But yeah, basically, yeah, I came back in and they realized what it was and they're like, yeah, you, you got you to gotta be here for us to, to treat you. But then you were discharged. I was discharged again. Yeah, yeah. I was discharged twice. Because I was thinking like from my point of view, because I was there for all of this going down, from my point of view, you were then back in hospital and a group chat on Facebook Messenger was created called Quinn's Carers. Yeah. And... In it, it was kind of like our understanding was, oh, they think it could just be a concussion. Everything's going to be fine. 
he got a migraine, so he's back in hospital, but he's been discharged. So he's going to be all right. But then what happened once you were discharged that, I guess, first time, second time? I think same thing. Like the pain just came back in in like a, a way that was like absolutely unbearable. And it was just, and I didn't want to go. Sarah's uh, great aunt, Doris, uh, who is a nurse, she was the one who was like, you need to go back to the hospital. You're not okay. Uh, you should not be out doing shows. Like, like you need to go heal. And, um, and, I, and I was like, I really didn't want to go, but she basically like forced me to go back. I honestly, th- th- this whole part is such a blur. Like, and I'm, like I'm brain damaged. So I can't really remember. I forgot that I was discharged twice. Yeah. yeah. You then go back into the hospital and we're all a bit like, holy shit, this is major. What's happening? And that's when we learn, you know, that it's a skull fracture and there's bleeding in the brain. Mm. Can you remember like what were your symptoms during this think, time? So I, I remembered I got like nerve damage in my face and swelling. So I think I like I woke up one day and I like couldn't open one of my eyes all the way. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is crazy. And like, I couldn't hear very well out of one ear. Uh, my sense of smell and taste was gone. Just like all these little things like creeping up that were just like not adding up. And um, yeah, that's when I realized like, oh, no, I'm not going to be okay for a while. This is going to be bit of an ordeal is there something that they can do with a brain bleed or a skull fracture like do was there you know if you break your arm you have your arm in a cast yeah what can they do if you actually break a part of your skull basically nothing yeah like basically that you you just like lie there while they just keep assessing your symptoms uh, making sure they're not getting worse and worse, especially with like a, a brain bleed and stuff. They're like, we need you here so we can like continually monitor what's going on with your body. Cause like, and they're, and, they, and I remember they were like, told me that I had to uh, quit smoking. And then I was just like, well, fuck that. I'm not doing that. I'm in the hospital with a brain injury. And then I went out to have a cigarette and then I came back and I got like super dizzy. And I was in this like wing of the hospital that you had to be like let into. And I was like, ringing the the bell for them to let me in and no one was coming and all of a sudden i got like super lightheaded and i started like banging like like, yo let me in and then i just threw up all over the glass window and like collapsed to the floor it was like i was like okay i guess it's time to quit smoking (laughs) because i was reading that a symptom of a brain bleed is nausea and vomiting yeah so that makes total sense yeah i remember during this admission because you were because spoiler alert, you were actually discharged again. Okay. I've been, yeah, you were. So during this admission, when you were going out for cigarettes, that's when I came to visit you because I saw you when you were outside having a cigarette. Because in this group chat that we had, it was one of our mutual friends went and visited you and he wrote, yeah, he's he's doing okay. He's his usual obnoxious self, high on drugs and keeps asking to go out for a cigarette. <laughs> and we were like, all right, Quinn's back. He's going to be fine. But yeah, then I can't, rem- I don't know why you were discharged again. I think that was the one where the doctors and the nurses were like, you can go. Mm. And then during this time, I wrote out a bit of a timeline, but you were then discharged. Everyone thought, okay, he's going to be all right. 
I think you still had like swelling on your face and your eye was still a little bit strange. Mm. And you came to the busker barbecue that we were having. Yeah. And tried to live this normal life for a bit. And then I think, well, from the group chat, I read that the headache had come back. Mm -hmm. And so you went back into hospital. And that's when I think it was a longer period of time that makes sense and all we knew was that you'd been told that you had to quit drinking and quit smoking for six months (laughs) it's not a happy camper i am not a smoker so i don't know but did they do anything to help you not smoke no nothing nothing (laughs) just like hey don't do it honestly my hospital experience was not the best it was uh i i always say it like this like the first when i first got in there there was a guy in the room next to me that was just like losing his shit and like screaming at the doctors and nurses. And I was just like, oh, what a what a fucking loser. What's his problem? Three weeks later, I was that guy. Yeah. You know, what I mean, just like losing it because like the doctors told me so much conflicting information. All of a sudden I was like, it's fine. You can go. All of a sudden it's like, oh, no, you shouldn't have been discharged. You know what I mean? One doctor was like, oh, yeah, you can probably have a beer. And then like the top brain person in the hospital is like what the fuck no you can't have a beer who is telling him this and it was like another doctor you know what I mean like it was it was just like so all over the place and I guess for those who haven't picked up on your accent you are a Canadian and we were in Australia so how does that actually work with being admitted to hospital well I was super lucky I had travel insurance like super lucky, which I'd never bought before in my life. I only did it because I, my visa required me to do it. Right. And uh, if I had it, like I would have, I think my hospital bill was like 20 grand. Wow. So like, oh man, that would have sucked to just like get out and just be like, all right, now I got to heal and then just like go on tour and work off 20 grand worth of debt. How did the insurance process go? Oh, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. Uh, luckily, my parents helped me with that a little bit. They, um, it, it took months and months to like get me paid and the hospital paid. It, uh, like, honestly, like they did the whole insurance company runaround. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, it's coming. Oh, yeah, it's coming. Oh, yeah, it's coming. And then, and then I go, hey, it's been like eight months since you approved my claim. Uh, the next, contact you'll get from me will be from a lawyer yeah and uh, oh hey da, 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 oh yeah yeah it's been done da, da, da. you know what i mean it was like a lot of that wow so the so do you pay the hospital and then the insurance company reimburse you or does the insurance company pay the royal adelaide hospital yeah the insurance company pays royal adelaide hospital ah, i assume they paid them. i didn't confirm that but i stopped getting emails from the hospital so i think they paid. yeah <laughs> so you're back in hospital I assume that they're just monitoring you, checking that everything's going okay. During this last admission, were you still experiencing the difficulty with opening your eye and the hearing and the nerve damage in the face? Was that all still there? Yeah, it was still there for quite a while. I didn't, um, I mean, I, I didn't really notice the difference in all of the other stuff until I left hospital because I was kind of just in a daze, right? You're just yeah. like spending all your time in a hospital bed, high on painkillers, just like watching movies or no, they wouldn't let me watch. Oh, no. Was I watching movies? Yeah, I was watching movies, which I should not have been. Oh. Like like the whole thing is like when you're healing from a brain injury, like you're not supposed to be doing any of that shit because it overwhelms your brain. Oh. But I didn't figure that out later until I was like recommended to a specialist after I got out to like 
you know, get a plan for my healing process. That's that, that's the thing. It's like you just hear so much conflicting information when you're in the hospital. And it, it's like it it is a nightmare, especially when you're like healing from a brain injury. And I couldn't retain a lot of information. Yeah. And in a different country, you had so many friends around you, which how what yeah how was the support were we good to you oh it was amazing <laughs> honestly it wasn't that crazy to me like being in a hospital overseas like because like i was just i don't know that was like my fourth year in adelaide right yeah. and uh, and my girlfriend at the time actually no funny me and my girlfriend broke up like a week before it happened but like it ended super amicably so like she was like visiting me in hospital every day and so was her family and stuff so i like i didn't feel like like oh my goodness i'm in the hospital overseas and i've also been in the hospital overseas a lot and I was like surrounded by like my best friends in the world who were yeah. like coming to visit me every day, making sure that I was okay. So like that aspect of it wasn't that difficult, you know, like uh, I feel like if I were to get injured, if that were to happen in Vancouver, I'd have less people yeah. <laughs> coming to make sure I'm okay. But when you're like at a festival with like all, all your friends from like all over the world, like it was like every day there was like people coming in with like gifts and car you and Miranda made like the most hilarious card ever. <laughs> Have. Uh, <laughs> I love that. You took a video of you like reading the card to put on Facebook and you are so out of it. I found the video again. And I'm like, how did we think Quinn was normal? We're like, yeah, Quinn's doing really good. We're like, you were just so dazed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, my face was all swollen. Yeah. And like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man, yeah, oh, it was God. it was crazy. It was a lot, man. And then the festival ended actually yeah and we all left mm. and in the group chat there was a moment that did make me giggle a little bit where we I must have messaged uh, people were like yeah Quinn's gonna be in hospital for a while now like they really they need to monitor him longer we're all leaving town and I was like me and my partner Jonas we're going to Melbourne but actually, I've got to go back to Auckland for a couple of days for my own hospital stuff. But then I'm back in, in Melbourne. If he needs, we can always just come back to Adelaide because you weren't allowed to fly. No, I wasn't. They were, Yeah, they were afraid that the air pressure would like, like something in my, <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but something would like explode in my head or something and it would be bad. Like, like the brain bleed would come back really badly because like, uh, apparently my something levels were off. I don't know. I'm a moron. It was, it was, something was wrong. That if I flew, the pressure would um, bring back like really, really horrible symptoms. Um, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I was not allowed to fly. And then what happens? Your mum comes over, and eventually, how long do you think that was from being discharged to being able to fly back to Canada? Um, I believe it was about three weeks. Yeah. So like, yeah, it would have been like a month and a half since I had hit my head, I think. Yeah. That I was allowed to fly again. And what happens when you go to Canada? Because normally I assume the hospital would sort rehab or therapists to help you, but now you've gone back to Vancouver. What happened next? Well, a, a lot of the specialists I saw were actually in Adelaide after I was discharged. Because oh, okay. after I was discharged, I had like a lot of time there. I was staying with um, Sarah's aunt, Doris, helping look look after me along with my mom. And we would, yeah, go to appointments and see specialists. And they kind of like gave me a plan and a, like a road to recovery, different things I could do, like uh, meditating with the do's and don'ts, what I can and can't do. And so when I got to Canada, um, 
I saw like, I didn't really see any brain specialists or anything. Oh, I think I did. I saw one, but it was like too expensive. And, uh, and at that point it was like on my own dime, I believe. So I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, uh, yeah, that's so hard when you're like, I would love to do this thing, but it's just so expensive. Yeah. 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 It wasn't covered i mean a, a little bit of it was um like I, I was able to see like my family doctor and stuff like that but most of it was just like just sit around sit in a dark room and just wait for your brain to be healed wow yeah what were your symptoms after this well i remember the moment i really knew what i was in for was actually like the day i got discharged in adelaide and i was walking around rundle mall with my mom and then i just got this deep sense of like anxiety and like anger yeah like it was like really weird like like all of a sudden like the world was just like too much for my brain to handle Mm -hmm. and like I needed to be home in a dark room away from people and I'd already only been out of the like walking around for like an hour yeah and that was the moment I knew like oh man this is uh this is gonna be an ordeal yeah because I had no idea and like I remember um Doris, the the woman who was helping look after me, I was hugging. She was with me, and I was hugging um, Max and Ariel Manx goodbye. And apparently, Doris whispered in their ears, "He has no idea what he's about to go through." So ah. please, like, like they knew, but like they knew I didn't get it. Yeah, because like in my head, I was still like gonna go to Sydney. Oh wow! Like, <laughs> like that's where I thought I was at. Like, yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, no, I'll just suck it up, go do some street shows. And then it, yeah, that day it became really apparent, like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not all right. Yeah, you were told that you couldn't do street shows, right? Yeah, totally. But I was like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to go do street shows. <laughs> like, they were also saying like, you probably shouldn't ride a 10-foot unicycle. Like, like, fuck you. You also told me that I could drink and then that I couldn't drink, that I could leave, and now I needed to come back. Fuck you. You know, that was my, <laughs> that was my mindset. It was like, you already told me so much conflicting information. Why would I listen to the one that, you know, like, like harms me the most? Uh, But yeah, so I am one of those people, though, that has to like learn by experience, which is not fun. But yeah. Were there any other symptoms that you were experiencing? I mean, yeah, like headaches, uh, depth perception. Like the first time I went to go pour a jug of water, like I missed. (laughs) I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's not good. Yeah, like little things like that. and uh, yeah, sensitivity to light. Like I had to change all the settings on my phone and stuff. Cause like if I looked at a bright screen, I would like get a headache. Did you lose any vision when the eye, you couldn't really like open the eye? Was Were there problems with your vision? No, my vision was okay. Yeah, that was like a, one of the tests they did was making sure that was okay. Yeah. And whether I was able to hear things as well, because that was a little bit out of whack. Um, but like, yeah, the nerve damage took a while to heal it's not even it's not fully healed now i got headshots done and i can see that one eye doesn't open as wide as the other one yeah wow the lingering effect i was reading on facebook that you saw an occupational therapist when you were back in canada and they were explaining to you that your brain wasn't able to quite process doing multiple things at once Mm -hmm. and so when you eventually were trying to train circus again circus is literally doing multiple things at one time yeah how are things now have you noticed that that has improved yeah definitely from what it was like i remember the first time i did a street show after my head injury i was like exhausted afterwards i just did one show 
And I was like bagged for the rest of the day and then a little bit the next day. And I think it's important to jump in and say that pre-brain injury, Quinn would bust out like four or five shows, no problem in a day and then go out partying and then do it all again. Like it really was no big deal. (laughs) Totally. It was second nature, but I didn't like realize how much my brain was actually doing because like, you know, you're, you're performing to the crowd. You're also calculating, okay, what's the next best line to win them over? Okay, I got to be aware of that guy that might heckle. Oh, that person's walking through. I could do a line there. Okay, now I've got to do the hat line. How do I want to phrase this? How do I want my tone to be? How do I want to play this? You know, like like your brain. And then at the same time, also I'm juggling. Also, my feet are making sure I'm staying on the unicycle. Like your brain is actually doing so much when you're doing a street show. Yeah. And I had no idea if it was like second nature to me for the longest time. Like I just went out and would do it. And that's when it like was like, oh, wow, the brain is like a crazy part of your body that does so much work. And like when it's when it's not functioning correctly, it really sucks and you really feel it. Did you notice any problems with your memory? Oh, yeah. My memory was bad before and now it's way worse. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I literally went to a gig and forgot my unicycle. Oh, my gosh. I to bring my unicycle. Like, I went and, like, showed it to the gig. And then, like, my friend turned and was like, dude, you need, like, you need a checklist or something. Like, this is not good. And, like, I was able to get the unicycle in time. But like I made it all the way there without the unicycle. I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. There was another moment I remember on Facebook where like Game of Thrones was intense or something. And you made a Facebook status, I remember. And you were like, oh no, I just saw the Game of Thrones spoiler on here. Oh, but doesn't matter. Like literally... An hour later, I have I cannot remember the spoiler for the life I was of me. So mad, like I was yelling and swearing. Like oh, and an hour later, I was like, I don't remember what the spoiler was. <laughs> How long were you in Canada before you started trying to live your life out in the world again? Three months. Three months, and then mm-hmm. what did you do? Then I flew to Galway. Well, I flew to London for a few days, and then I went to Galway and started my. Uh, my normal tour, street show tour, which is like UK and then doing Edinburgh Fringe and London again and then Australia. And I was like, yeah, now's the, the Quinn Beasley redemption tour. <laughs> How was traveling after a brain injury? Oh, dude, it was a nightmare. It was it was like that. That was like another moment where I realized like, ah, oh, I'm really not what I was like the first like just going like Vancouver to London was fine because it was like one flight. But the moment I had to go to like London to Galway, like I like like went to like the wrong airport, you know, and like missed my flight and had to like stay over at a hotel and like rebook. And like, like I was just so, I was so all over the place and like just staying, just staying on it was like a lot of work. Like it forced me to get like really organized and disciplined because like otherwise I couldn't function. Like I always kind of just flew by the seat of my pants, like booked flights like a day before and just like whatever but like I lit I couldn't afford to like live that way anymore like I had to be super on it with everything I did because otherwise everything would just fall apart how did that make you feel to go from literally traveling and doing whatever you wanted to having to live like this now I mean it's a lot like COVID it was a lot like (laughs) it was uh yeah no it was crazy like I'm someone that's always like what I loved about street was the freedom was that like I could just be like be in London and be like, you know what? I'm bored of here. I'm going to go live in Amsterdam now for three months. You know what I mean? Like just being able to do that to going from like that, like such a hyper free lifestyle to like, 
oh, you now have to just like sit in a dark room and listen to podcasts and ruminate on every mistake you've ever made in your entire life. Like that's your existence for the next three months was crazy. Like, like it was, it was one of the toughest things I went through. Also dealing with a, a breakup from like mm. the best relationship I'd ever ha had, you know, like I, uh, someone I was with for two years, you know, dealing with that at the same time, it was, it was so much, it, it was, it was not fun, but it was like the best thing for me. Cause it just like allowed me to reset and rethink my priorities and really think about what I wanted in life and what I, what all like realize I wasn't doing all the things that I could have been doing to, to get forward. You're so right. When you say it's so similar to COVID and what an amazing opportunity for people to have these realizations and not have fallen off a 10 foot unicycle to get there. <laughs> That's the thing when COVID happened, it was like, Oh, I've lost everything and I have to rebuild. All right. I know how to do this. Yeah. So it's 2020 now. It's nearly two years since all of this happened. Mm. What are you noticing now, injury-wise? Um, my cognitive function is still, like, I don't think where it was before. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't be as reckless in my lifestyle as I used. Like, I used to be able to just, like, drink and party and do shows and, and, be, and, and be great. But, like, now I, like, really need to be focusing on, like, what I'm putting in my body kind of on a daily basis in order to stay sharp and not fall into like depression and anxiety. Cause like anxiety was something I never had pre brain injury, like ever. Like I, I, I had, I suffered from some depression, but never anxiety. Yeah. And I noticed like little symptoms start to come back. If I do like have a week where, you know, I, I drink a bit too much or I'm not eating well, or, you know, I'm not meditating in the morning. I'm not like really on it with my organization. I do. My mental health does start to like suffer a lot. And, um, even just like on stage, like I would know that like I wouldn't be as sharp. I would forget jokes, like forget punchlines or forget setups and stuff like that. So it really is like a case of like I have to continuously be making sure that I'm like setting my brain up for success. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be put it's got to all the right factors have to happen in order for it to like work to the best of its ability. Otherwise, I do feel it on on a daily basis. Are there any ongoing scans or anything that you have to do to check? that it all healed properly? I probably should. <laughs> I don't know. I like, like I said, after the three months was up, I kind of just like went touring and then didn't really think about it as much. I'm pretty cheap. So I just like the th idea of like paying someone $300 to tell me what's wrong with me was just like a waste of money. <laughs> you know? But um, I've been thinking about, yeah, going to see a specialist soon because actually my sister had a concussion and she's been doing like a special type of therapy on her brain that has been helping. So I'm thinking about doing that. And you're riding the 10 foot unicycle again? Yeah. 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 I was back up on that in three months after three or four months after my injury. Yeah. Like when you go through something as traumatic as this experience and then you start riding the unicycle again, was that really intense? Do it's weird. I did have PTSD around it but i didn't notice until like four months into touring oh, okay it was really weird so i was riding the same type of unicycle that i fell on but a a, a different one and uh because the fall because it was like a mechanical error and not human error like i didn't lose faith in my own abilities yeah so when i went back up on it i wasn't really scared or nervous or anything like that but then four months later i bought uh dynamite's unicycle mm-hmm 
Dynamax unicycle only had one chain on it. Oh. And all of a sudden, I was fucking terrified. I was getting panic attacks before shows. I was freaking out. Every show felt like a mountain to climb. And I was like really scared a lot, which was really interesting. Um, like, like, yeah, I just, I, I, it, how it manifested like months later yeah. in that I had a piece of equipment that I wasn't super comfortable with. And all of a sudden, like it started to come back. Like I was like, yeah, like really scared. Looking back at everything you've been through, is there anything along the way that you would have done differently knowing what you know now? I don't think so. Um, honestly, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me in, in that sense of like when me and my girlfriend broke up, I was like so distraught. I had actually planned my own spiral. Like I was just like, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just like going to, I'm just going to drink and party and do shows and live like a rock star. I don't give a fuck. Uh, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm going to stop saving. Like, I don't care about my career. Like, like that was my mindset after we broke up. And then I hit my head and it just stopped all of that. Yeah. And then it, it like forced me to like, look at what I was doing wrong in my life and like all the potential I was wasting. And then when, um, I went back out touring. Like I just had like a, a, a mindset that I'd never had. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like just going to like work really hard, not going to party a lot, going to save, 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 going to like maintain my fitness. So then when COVID happened, I was actually in like a, a good spot uh, financially to like deal with it. And that was because of hitting my head like the year before. So like in a weird way, like um, that injury just like really set me up to be in a position to, do what I wanted and and maintain some freedom and independence, um, even in the midst of like a global pandemic. So it was uh, the best thing that ever happened. It's such an important lesson to learn and even to learn through this happening to you is just how important our brains are yeah. and that we do have to protect them. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're a big deal. Yeah. Externally, but also internally with everything that we put our brains through. Would you have a piece of advice if someone was going through a similar brain injury at the moment? Would you have any word of wisdom to give to them? Be patient. Uh, it's really, I know it's really, really difficult. It's really hard. Your like brain literally now works differently. You feel like a, you're a different person, but um, time, time heals. Like as long as you're staying on and doing all the things you're supposed to be doing, like your body is like a really amazing thing that has the ability to heal itself as long as you let it, right? Yeah. So I would say, yeah, just like carry on and, um, you know, hold those uh, closest to you who will be like, I mean, support network is the biggest thing, you know, having friends that are there for you helps a lot, but just like stay the course, man. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story with the podcast today. I'm so happy to do it. I'm so glad you're doing this. This is so cool. And that was another episode of That's So Chronic. I want to say a massive thank you to you for listening in from all across the world and supporting That's So Chronic. If you want to know more about Quinn, you can find him on Instagram at Mighty Bro Show. And as always, feel free to send me a message over on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. If you haven't already, press that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. That helps me get into more ears 
to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope.